welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Um, all right. Will all who care to join me in a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer? God, grant me serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can Hi, we're Dick and Vicky. Your leaders, your leaders for this meeting. This is an SNON couples meeting open to both SNON and SA. This is a special meeting which deals with specifically with couple relationships and sharing our experience, strength, and hope with the twelve steps of recovery. This meeting is being recorded. If you do not wish to be recorded, please do not share. Please speak loudly enough for all to hear. Personal audio and visual recordings are not permitted. Please silence all mobile devices. The topic for this meeting is intimacy after slips. Would someone please read the Recovering Together, Issues Faced by Couples? Thank you. Um, Recovering Together, Issues Faced by Couples. When we began our recovery committed relationship with a sexaholic were doubtful that it would be possible or even desirable to continue the relationship. Some of us were afraid that individual recovery would mean our relationships would suffer or to end relationships. Some of us felt paralyzed by fear of the unknown after years of feeling in control. Others were numb, depressed, and frustrated. Many of us felt overwhelmed with anger and pain and wanted to strike back. We thought we could never forgive our partners and we were not even sure we wanted to forgive them. Many of us felt used, abused, and mistreated, and we wondered if we should even try to rebuild trust and intimacy given the failed attempts of the past. We simply did not believe that we or our partners could change enough to make any real difference. It is clear that some relationships do not survive. It is also clear that a great deal of commitment is required by both partners if the problems caused by sexaholism and the family's reactions to it are to be overcome. But experience has shown that we can overcome our initial fears, misgivings, and problems. Today, through using the tools of the program, many of us are happier in our relationships than we ever imagined possible, achieving levels of intimacy we had only hoped for previously. In Essanon, we learn that we need to concentrate on our own recovery and keep the focus on ourselves. But how does that fit in with learning new ways of being together so that the relationship can heal? Recovering in a relationship presents us with a variety of issues. Isn't it irrational to trust a person who has proven untrustworthy? How can we communicate honestly with each other when we haven't for so long? Can our sexual relationship ever be joyful and fulfilling, ever be a joyful and fulfilling expression of our commitment to one another? We thought we were committed. But how long should we wait for real change to occur? We address these basic issues in our couples' meetings by asking members of Essanon and their partners to share their experience, strength, and hope on how recovery has worked for them. We want to emphasize that while the couples' meetings are extremely helpful, they are not a prerequisite for recovery within the relationship. What does seem to be necessary is honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness on the part of both partners to work on themselves and on the relationship. Those of us who attend couples' meetings regularly have found them to be a safe place where we can freely share with other couples who have experienced similar issues and feelings. These meetings are also good opportunities 
to discover how other recovering couples are applying the steps, traditions, and principles of the program to their lives. Now, for the benefit of the timer, the leaders will each share for what? Oh, I told them that intimacy after slips is a topic. Thanks for reminding me, dear. That was a slip. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, for, for, for five minutes, so four and one. Four and one? Yes. Hi, I'm Vicki in recovery with Dick. Um, I'm going to contrast first, I'll tell on myself again, um, I'm going to contrast what it was the first year or so when we had, when uh, we would go through some slips and how I reacted and how it, it was really tough to have intimacy of almost any kind and then how it's become after um, 18 years in the program and working the program um, because it's a huge difference, and it's really why I keep coming back. I want to make sure that I can handle, or actually I can look to my higher power to have the strength and wisdom when I need it uh, to handle uh, intimacy after a slip. Um, in the beginning, when I would um, find out about something, the rage would just be amazing. And I was the type that for 28 years of our marriage, I'd pretty much stuffed my feelings. And I didn't actually know there was anything to speak of going on. Um, but when I discovered it, um, it, the shock was terrible. The grief was terrible. I'd wake up in the morning with this big pall over my uh, feelings. And um, anyway, when I would find out about a slip, it would be either raging and angry or depressed and feeling hopeless. The, the great part, though, because of the fact I was working the program with a sponsor and doing the steps, I knew intellectually there's always hope as long as I didn't give up. And then fast forward to um, the one of the times um, recently when there was a very a tiny slip, actually, um, but it had been after, like, almost 18 years, and it was um, something that there had been a lie. And that was, in the old days, I would just flipped me out tremendously. Well, I found out about the lie. In fact, um, Dick openly told me. And I listened to him. I was surprised. I was shocked because I didn't think he lied anymore. Um, but I noticed later, all day long, I kept checking my feelings. Well, where's the rage? Where's all these, these uh, things that I used to feel? But I felt closer to him. It was fascinating. And I have found over the years that these slips and us dealing with it, me working my program, that I feel closer than ever. And that's why I'm willing to stay up here. Can I use some of your five minutes? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, hi, my name is Dick, and uh, I'm happily recovering with Vicki, finally. Hey, Dick. Um, you'll know about, more about that after lunch. But anyway, um, uh, in the reading that we just had, <clears throat> I heard the word commitment. Before recovery, Vicki and I had a good marriage. I mean, we, in my mind, in my mind, everything was just great. <laughs> I did not realize that until later she realized and shared with me how she realized how codependent she'd been and uh, just made the peace. And, uh, boy, that was, I was living in a man's dream world. I was the king. What I did, what I said, that went. I, always, I thought I was serving my wife and my children, and I was with my limited knowledge. But the word commitment was something we never questioned. Uh, commitment, and it goes right along with another thing that really has helped us develop intimacy after slips. <clears throat> if you're familiar with the uh, AA Big Book and uh, what Bill W. has said about how they're actually one of the, it can be a great blessing to have a slip if one learns from it. 
And that's what we've strived, striven to do over the years is learn from, from the slips. Not be, to not come to, we're at the point now, <clears throat> myself and I know Vicki and I, we discussed this. We're no longer in fear and trepidation of when's he going to slip again? You know, <laughs> sometimes it will have this, I'll have this strange thing happen about, you know, I'm on the computer and we share a small office space <clears throat> at home and, um, I'll just, you know, go from one screen to the next, and she'll come into the door. And right away I go, but I'm not doing anything wrong at all. It's just that many times in the past, that's how I got caught, you know. Um, I used to wait till she was going somewhere, and so I, I can go outside and peek around the corner and make sure she drove off. Okay? And then I get back on there, and then I waited, and uh, I would set my alarm on the clock on my phone, uh, maybe 10, 15 minutes before I knew she was going to be done with her thing, so I make sure I was done in time, you know, doing whatever I was doing. Um, well, that time period got shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter until I would wait until she was at the front door. One time that I never heard her come to the front door, <laughs> and, you know, that was a slip, you know, obviously. But we've always had this idea about commitment. In other words, no matter what, it's not like, except for, what if, what's my escape clause? Commitment meant we were going to work it out. Even difficulties in our relationship, we're going to help them to bind us and draw us closer together, not drive us apart. And commitment is commitment. It's just the same as honesty. My definition of honesty always had adjectives around it. Well, I'm pretty honest. <laughs> um, I'm honest most of the time. Well, of course, what's the question that's going to come to her mind or anybody else's mind? When are you not being honest? You can never know. You know, there's nothing to me today. I look at it so much different. How, what a horrible thing to put my wife through not being able to trust me. She couldn't trust me with the finances with good reason. You know, I, as I got further into addiction, I messed those up big time. Um, and every other area in our life, I look back and, uh, you know, as I went through the amends process, um, I just realized, boy, I didn't even realize how much harm I'd done. And I find that, the, to me, probably the best part of the Unity Conference is hearing the stories of the Essanons. Because I know from all the sponsees I've had and from myself, we don't get it. We, we, we do not know how to put ourselves in your shoes and know how harmful we've been and the extent of the harm. So it's, it's always great to hear those things. But anyway, um, by becoming honest, what, what I realized was in our relationship, I'm either honest or I'm dishonest. You know, and I'll use the analogy of the white lie. Okay, now if we take the adjective away, what have I got left? Oh. When does it become a black lie? I mean, no, that's exactly how I slipped in my addictions. Uh, let's see, what is that sobriety definition again? Uh, oh, I'm sober. Well, our relationship is really what has brought to the fore of the difference between sobriety and recovery. And... Um, so basically, I've got continuous sobriety of four years. I got a four-year chip a while back. I've got a whole drawer full of chips. One year, two year, three year, four. I think I even got to five years once. But, you know, so I add them all up, and I got a lot of sobriety. <laughs> Just not continuous. So, you know, basically, though, the, the key is our relationship has matured and our intimacy has grown because both of us, she from the start and me eventually working the program. And I'll get more into that later this afternoon. But really, we're really eager to hear what you had to say about this. And if you'd like to uh, share, please work your way up to the front row so you're ready to go and we'll pass the microphone to you and then you can pass it to the next person. But anyway, uh, I'm Dick. I'm recovering with Vicki. And 
Thanks for letting us share. Thanks, Dick. I'm Nahid. A wonderful subject, and thank you, the leaders. I'm jealous of you. There are two words in the subject matter, intimacy and sleep. One of them is absent in our marriage, and the other one pokes its ugly head up once in a while. So intimacy is a bigger struggle. Even though as I was sitting here and listening to the leaders and thinking about the subject, I thought at some deep level there is intimacy that has kept us together for 35 years and we have been able to manage this life of ours. At the same time, I feel like a part of me tells me that I deserve better. I want a marriage that there is trust and real closeness. And that little holding hands or saying something nice just reaffirms that feeling. And that is what I struggle with because that part is pretty much absent in my life. Uh, and uh, the being in the program has been a wonderful part of uh, my life because I feel like it has put me on a spiritual path. That I think about things in a different way, in a sometimes even universal way, that how I have attract, I attract energies to myself and what the cause and effect of those things are. And it, it pains me and at the same time brings me to a point of acceptance that anything I complain about outside of myself becomes a mirror that I have to look at myself. Uh, I... I can say I wish, I have a lot of wishes, again, that those wishes even become a mirror of what do I have to look at. Uh, we have two beautiful grown daughters now. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in one of the meetings, I'm at a stage of my life that I would like to wrap this life of mine in a nice, simple, honest, beautiful package because before it is over and I hand it back to the universe. Um, thank you. Thanks, Nahid. I'm Tupper. I'm with uh, an essay and here with Nahid. You know, I'm so lucky to be here and to uh, so lucky that Nahid and I have been married for 35 years and we're still married and I, I'm in a couples meeting where we talk about the really the most difficult issues of, of my life and, and I get to hear other people how they're addressing these issues. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, like Nahid said, I'm, I'm uh, in a difficult place with intimacy. Uh, the, my disease is manifesting it in in the form of anorexia now, that as uh, as opposed to uh, flagrant uh, womanizing or or other sexual acting out. Now I've, the needle's gone all the way over to the other side where I I can't be sexual with my uh, with Nahid, and that's gone on for a year and a half or two years now. So. Uh, I, I would say it's a it's a serious uh, position I'm in, but I'm glad to be here and openly admit it to people who understand. And, and some of you might be in the same place, so I'm glad to share uh, my my uh, truth of what what's really going on. Um, I come from a, a a very good family in, in many ways. It, and when I say good, it looked good on the on the surface. My my parents were good people, and they they tried as hard as they could, I'm sure, to to do well. And they provided for me. And uh, uh, I have learned by being in therapy and by being in these meetings that. 
there was something probably missing in my background that that caused me to veer into addiction. And uh, so he, uh, here I am today where I have... Uh, I do have a history of womanizing, and and uh, and I'm so lucky to be here and to to uh, uh, be in recovery and to learn these things about uh, intimacy. And I have a therapist who is encouraging me to lean into in- intimacy. I have a sponsor who asks, is asking me to call him every day, call two members of the program to. Uh, to uh, tell him five things I'm grateful for every day and talk about my how I'm feeling physically and how I'm feeling emotionally. And I, I'm so lucky to have these tools and to have all of the literature and to, to, to show up at yet another Unity Conference and hear these things. So I, I, I still, um, although I have a lot of problems, uh, I'm optimistic and I'm, I'm, I consider myself extremely fortunate to, to be here and to, uh, to uh, be saved by the program and to still be married to Nahid. And, and uh, thank you very much for your very fine shares here, Dick and uh, Vicki. I really appreciate your lead. My time is up, but I uh, look forward to talking with all of you some more. My name is Judd. I'm a sexaholic and recovery with Annabeth. Uh, I knew I, I I ought to come up and share, but I don't really know exactly what to say. I will say, I, my wife and I were at last year's Unity Conference in a meeting, a, a couple's meeting on Forgiveness and Trust, I think that was the title. And she got up and shared, and I didn't. And I have, I had been thinking for many months uh, that I needed to talk to my wife about where I was at and what was going on. And, uh, and so I talked to her after that. She shared some stuff, and I just thought, this is not, this is not working. Um, and uh, I, I told her, look, I've, I've had, you know, I've slipped. And she has never asked me outright, you know, what's your sobriety date or what, you know. So I'm like, well... If you're not asking, I'm not going to say. Um, but over the last year, we have uh, kind of set a, a weekly time to talk and for me to tell her honestly where I'm at. Uh, it has been difficult on my side, frightening uh, to just tell the truth Um uh, but I think, and, and as a, I don't know if it's as a man or for whatever reason, uh, knowing what's going on inside of me and sharing that with, uh, with her, uh, it's not always an easy thing to say, easy thing to do. Um, I will say I am blessed with the fellowship of SA. And I've been encouraged ever since I got into the program to call other men in the program. And it's teaching me to understand what is happening to me emotionally and to get it out to other men. Um, I always thought we were very intimate. Um, but I guess I'm finding that... Um, I don't know. I can work and and grow in that area, and uh, I'm grateful for uh, my wife's commitment, and I'm grateful for these rooms and for all of you, kind of sharing your stories. So, with that, thanks. Thanks, Chad. I'm Annabeth. 
so after last year's disclosure that there had been more slips than what I knew about, um, like after that kind of sank in a bit, you know, we talked and I just felt like something needed to happen in the relationship. Something needed to change for us to keep moving forward in a positive way. Um, so we decided to do this weekly check-in and it has been good and it has been scary, um, which is kind of this weird feeling, you know, after 24 years to both be sitting there scared next to each other in the room and like, okay, so how do we do this? You know, I feel like you're kind of starting over, but, um, I appreciate his willingness to listen because in the check-in we just take turns talking. We don't interrupt. Uh, we don't interject. We don't, you know, any of that, the other person just gets to say what they need to say. The other person may respond or not. Uh, we could pick it up again the following week. Um, but uh, I guess what happened last year is um, it helped me to say, I need to know that you're sober, not so much to know that you're being perfect, but I need to know where you are because I can't have intimacy with somebody even on an emotional level if I don't know who you really are and, uh, you know, what's in our relationship. Otherwise, it feels like a lie to me, even if it's inadvertent or, you know. So um, he's been telling me weekly whether he's sober, and um, I appreciate your courage in that. And, um, you know, it's taken me some courage, too, to say some things that are in my heart or that I need, um, just thinking about our physical intimacy because uh, since last year we haven't been physically intimate and it's um, the abstinence has been a good good time. It's been, I don't know, two or three times before this that we've gone through periods of abstinence. And it's been a good tool for us to take a chance to just look at ourselves and work on the emotional intimacy that really needs to be present, more importantly, I think, than you know, a physical relationship. Thank you for letting me share. Hi, I'm Yvonne. I'm grateful, Essanon. Um, Ted and I at breakfast quickly said the topic and went, oh my God, we're not sharing. So, <laughs> so here we are. I dragged him up here. Um, what I wanted to say was we've been in program almost seven years, and about a year and a half into program, I was 2,000 miles across the country in a hotel room by myself, and Ted called to tell me he'd had a, his first slip, as far as I know, as far as I knew at the time, for sure. Um, and in the moment, I was the supportive, understanding, loving wife. And as soon as the, I hung up the phone, I was absolutely devastated and cried and called people who couldn't understand me because I was sobbing so much. Um, and I didn't understand it. I, I didn't understand yet what this whole disease was about. Um, and I was really angry and um, and all that stuff. And now... Seven years in, I was listening to some of the other shares. I have no idea what his sobriety is right this minute. And it's not the issue, because I think what program has given me is the compassion to understand something I couldn't possibly understand, and I don't necessarily understand, but the compassion and to know that this is our journey together. And if there's a slip, my response at this point is, a, is from that compassion and from the love that I have for him, and the intimacy is something that's just there, and that we work on. That's a separate path. Um, we work very hard at being intimate on a, on an emotional level. That we are stay connected. That we, and we'll talk more about that at the other couples meeting of on communication <laughs> later this afternoon. Be there. Um, <laughs> But we really do work hard at having a very close, intimate relationship. And so if there is, if and when, I should say, there is a slip. Oh, forget it. I'll just stop. Um, I, I, I get it in the way that I can. And, I, and again, I so appreciate the, both the, the essays shares and the SNN shares really about 
it's a journey. It's a process. It's not, it's, this isn't a disease there's a cure for. And I get that. I get that. And I'm, we have the commitment to just keep doing it no matter what. So thanks. Hi, I'm Ted. Uh, Yvonne said at breakfast, like she said, we, you know, when we heard the topic, we weren't going to share. And then sitting over there, she goes, I'm sharing. <laughs> oh, shoot. Um, and so I just have a brief share. Um, Yvonne talked a lot about you know, we're on this journey of trying to improve our level of intimacy, emotional in- intimacy. Um, and what I have found that you know, if I do have a slip, um, for me, um, being intimate becomes much more difficult. And it takes, I feel like I'm hungover. You know, I've told Yvonne I've had a slip. And then I had, go through this period of, I call a hangover, which means um, I feel isolated, I feel alone, I feel in sh- um, embarrassed, I feel shame. And it's really through the passage of time and uh, talking to Yvonne a little bit about it, sharing with my brothers and program and helping me kind of process through these feelings that I have that do I begin to recover and have levels of intimacy. Um, and so, you know, if there's something that happens emotionally to me, um, you know, and it's sometimes I use the, it's like an earthquake. You know, there's the, the seismograph goes crazy and then I have the aftershocks that I have to deal with. Um, but through the passage of time and through um, just talking it out with people in programs and in meetings and outreach calls, I get to the place where I can now be intimate again. So that's the share that I have. Thank you for letting me share. We just drove up. <laughs> Hi. Hi. I'm Sammy, a grateful member of both programs, actually. And I, I guess I'll go first. So <laughs> I came to these wonderful programs through Essanon first because I didn't understand anything. And Essanon, my work in Essanon, first taught me to focus on myself, come back home to me, because I was all about, <laughs> and so this journey, the first years in Essendon, really grounded me in that. Then, the second step I took was, to find out about him, I had to read the literature in essay. I had to learn about it. What was he doing there? What was going on there? I didn't understand the nature of compulsion. That's what I didn't understand, which is the foundation of addiction in my, in my understanding and growth. So then that later led me into essay myself. But understanding that compulsion, the wiring around the compulsion, the rapid fire that moves the addict into the situation gave me a whole new understanding. It was not about me. He was not reacting to me. He was having something that was going on in him, which I later you know, learned was also going on in me in my own program. But that then gave me, started me on the road of compassion. That's what illuminated my heart, really, to reach out and realize that he was involved in his own spin, like later on I saw, I was also. But reverberating back to my Essanon program, where it helped me there, was understanding my own compulsion that I had learned to be uh, stuck on him, stuck on the other person, stuck on always doing for others and not looking at my own self-care. So it really helped me understanding the compulsions in both myself and him, open my heart to really be able to deal with anything that occurred afterwards, you know, all these slips, etc. So thank you for letting me share. I was afraid nobody had a timer. (laughs) (laughs) 
Thank you over there. All right. Uh, <coughs> my name is my name is Paul. I'm committed to Sammy. And uh, as as an addict, um, you know, I'm I'm hardwired. Uh, if I, I I've allowed myself to um, not have a choice. If I get this input, then it's going to be that output. It's a, it's a, there was no, there's nothing, there's no way I could have stopped anything in between there. So compassion wasn't even in, that wasn't even in the, in the equation. I'm on autopilot. I get stimulated. I act out. That's, 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 that's the equation. That's it. If this, then that. So that's, there's no, there's no, there's no room for compassion there. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just that's the progression that, that things, that things do. It wasn't until um, <clears throat> until I got a little bit in the in the program where I started developing uh, anything even that closely resembles compassion, and I had to actually I had to learn compassion. It wasn't it doesn't come naturally to me. Um, Self serving comes naturally to me, uh, but this idea of compassion was it was alien to me. I, I'm familiar with the concept, but it didn't mean anything in my in my in my life. Um, it wasn't until, well, let's put it this way: I, I, I was writing the other day, and the words "you don't care about anybody but yourself." I started thinking about how many times I've heard that from all sorts of people. All, all my mother, my both of my sisters. All of my wives and ex-wives, you name it. I've heard it from everybody who I ever dealt with before I got into recovery. Now it's, um, you know, you're a butthole or something like that. But it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. But anyway, that's all I got to say. Hello, I'm Laura, and um, my husband started coming to meetings several years ago, and I went to the first Unity Day in Northern California uh, about five, six months ago, and um, I thought it was very interesting. I have my own other issues that I deal with, but... It's just um, a blessing how my higher power works. He knew that I needed to be here for this date and time. So I actually consider my birthday into Essanon yesterday for the first time because I hear hope. And the word that, you know, I have all these, after a slip, I have all these things going on in my head. Intimacy. Um, forgiveness, um, slips. And it's like, wow, they're all on the program. So there's workshops that I could attend. And there's healing. And I want the healing. And I want the healing because I heard the word commitment. And we're married. And I want the healing for my husband, my marriage, and myself. What I'm struggling with is... As a spouse, I know that there should be vulnerability and transparency and no lies. But I'm also, because I am in another program, I have to be careful of what, of my own issues of fear and control and for me not to be his sponsor and tell him, you have to do this. I know what I have to do. And, uh, and that's the part that I'm struggling with is just, you know, I mean, I was in law enforcement, so I can tell you ABC, you know, I'm a very black and white person, but I'm praying for compassion. Thank you. Hi, I'm Anthony. Hey. I'm a sexaholic. Um, we've been um, here for some time. We have 28 years of marriage, and um, my addiction issues have been going on even before marriage, but uh, I've been... Various programs, but I've been in SA for five years, five and a half years, um, and felt like it was working. Well, felt like things were going fairly well there, as far as "quote unquote" sobriety there. Yeah, but as I was mentioning, heard throughout this weekend that uh, necessarily sobriety doesn't always mean healthy. 
Um, and just recently, uh, I've had some things that were feeling like some slips, some things that were regressions. And so, uh, and that recently came up. And uh, like I said, timing uh, was, I guess, fortunate uh, or just that we were able to uh, realize something to feel the need to come down to here. We came all the way from Northern California to come to this. Um, and I, I really appreciate this meeting um, and, and all the meetings I've been to. Just because uh, intimacy uh, after slip, this is this is real for us right now. Um, and it's at points, sometimes I feel like, well, 20 years, I almost feel like we're at step one again. Um, or in some aspects of our intimacy and, and things I'm hearing uh, and know from the program, you know, it's, uh, my program is uh, honesty is important and, and that's sometimes difficult for me. Uh, and so I, I'm just glad to be able to be here and, and realize that uh, hear the hope here in the room and knowing that, uh, you know, there's, there is hope and that uh, the program does have um, – Benefits if, if we're working it and that uh, we can both share. And I'm just really hopeful to uh, grow as a result of this meeting. So I'm, I'm grateful for just being here and for what I've been able to hear from those who have come up here and taken the mic. So thank you. Thanks for letting me share. Hi, I'm Brian. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Brian. Hey, Brian. Um, I'm also an SNON. Um, and my allergy is different than hers. Um, and I have no clue. I have no clue what, what, what's happening on the other side of the world. Um, the. And I. I, <laughs> I followed my fiance. Um, to a couple's meeting, and I was like, and I was great. I had no clue what the topic was, and once I learned about the topic, I was like, I don't do that. <laughs> Please, I'm such a sex addict. Um, I am emotionally distant. Um, I always have been. Um, I I enmesh, and then I cut off boundaries, and I do that all the time. Um, and I it's in little ways. Um, I'm not. I'm not there. I'm not. Uh, I might be physically there, but I'm not emotionally there. Um, and I try to. Um, and I'm. There is victory. Um, there's progress, and I, I can't deny that. But I'm also not going to pretend like it doesn't exist. Um. I, just in in small ways. Um, yeah, my phone. For example, it's always dead. Um, and the, uh, I think two or three weeks ago, she was sharing about her her childhood, and all I could do is thanks for sharing. <laughs> There's no way there. I didn't press the uh, the conversation. I didn't take it to how does that make you feel. Um, it was just thanks for sharing. Um, and I I don't want to be that way. Um, I want you know, closeness, intimacy, um, intellectually, um, in a way that I can't, I can't do, um, right now. And there's, there's, there's progress and I'm, I'm super excited for recovery because it's real. Recovery is real. Um, and there's so much more to do. Um, you know, how, how did your childhood affect you? Um, the, uh, um, I don't understand the other side of the world, and that's that's great because there's there's progress there. Um, I, I I need to understand it, um, and just how how does my addiction affect you? I don't I don't know those questions, and I definitely don't need them today. Um, <laughs> but the. Um, when I'm being emotionally distant, when I'm having an emotional affair, um, which I luckily haven't had for a long time, by the grace of God, um, I remember early on, uh, I think two years ago, I asked the question, how does that make you feel um, when I'm distant? 
um, I don't know the actual words that I said, but um, when I'm hanging out with someone else and you're in the same room and I'm not with you, how does that make you feel? Um, I don't remember the answer. That's all right. Um, but yeah, um, there's definitely progress, and I definitely enjoy this this meeting um, because it makes me look at things that I, I don't want to look at. Um, I don't like to look at the gray area. I don't like to look at things I need to do better, um, especially uh, preparing for marriage, um, which is which is crazy. It's a crazy trip, and I feel like I've been distant for that as well. Um, very, very distant. Um, recovery. Recovery is cool. I'm Brian. I'm a sexaholic. I'm Sakari, and I'm an Asana. Um, it has been a struggle for me um, dealing with um, emotional intimacy on multiple levels. Um, growing up, we, as a family anyways, we always kind of, we had problems, kind of kept them in the family, or sometimes we struggled to even talk to each other about how we actually feel without, um, I guess, blowing up at each other. And so I find sometimes that, um, like, I might be texting about things or, you know, when we're together talking about things that, um, like how my day is going or whatever, that are like, oh, okay, I'm, you know, talking. But sometimes even then I still feel like I'm holding back even when things, um, or especially when things aren't going well. I have trouble, like, articulating myself or trying to um, initiate some of those conversations because I try, I tend to start to... Um, evade the conflict, I guess, or I don't know how to deal with it. Um, and then another thing that I've been thinking more about lately is um, when I do kind of pick up on, oh, he's being emotionally distant. Um, and sometimes it's honestly justified, like maybe I'm aware that he is having a bad day and not feeling well or things like that. Um, I have to remember to not take it personal, you know, and um, just remember that, you know, it is, you know, just for today, you know, this is the case, and it doesn't, it often doesn't necessarily reflect how um, anything that I've done really, um, and I have to continue to look back on um, our friendship and our relationship and all the years that we've had together and just remind myself that, you know, this isn't all about you and it's not your fault that this is happening. Because obviously we do have, you know, something that we share and the reason why we love each other. It's just that we're both struggling with these two different illnesses and they're clashing as a result. So thank you. In conclusion, Vicki and I uh, are reminded under this topic that one of the promises that says, and we're changing it to apply to our relationship, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we can see how our experience can benefit others. So we appreciate all of you sharing your experience with others. Thank you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope regarding your relationships. If you did not have a chance to share, please find someone after the meeting with whom you may do so. This is an anonymous program. Please keep all names and shares you have heard in this meeting to yourselves. Would someone now please read The Gifts of Essanon? Good morning, I'm Mike in recovery with Tamara. <laughs> Gifts of the Essanon program. When we approach the process of recovery with honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to apply the principles of the 12 steps to our lives, we will soon begin to see the rewards. We will become able to surrender our self-defeating behavior. 
We will find that we have the strength and insight to make good choices for ourselves. Our ability to act positively on behalf of our health, families, jobs, and bank accounts will amaze us. We will find that others are doing things for themselves which we thought we had to do for them. Our ability to give and receive love will expand tremendously, and we will become increasingly available for loving relationships with others. We will recover the feeling of joy. We will become more honest with ourselves and experience a new comfort in our intimate relationships. We will feel the security that arises from true fellowship with others in the program, knowing that we are loved and accepted just as we are. Feelings of failure and inadequacy will be replaced by self-confidence and independence of spirit. We will no longer expect other people to provide us with an identity or a sense of self-worth. We will find the courage to be true to ourselves. We will know peace of mind and feel a stronger connection with the higher power of our understanding. And our hope will turn to faith that God is really working in our lives as we explore the wonders of serenity Dignity and emotional growth. Thank you for attending this meeting. After a moment of silence, will all who care join us in the serenity prayer? I can't, yeah, just go ahead and get in a circle and we'll, we'll, we'll be part of it up here. for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you.